you are familiar with this scripture, but the scripture that we'll really be studying is not so familiar. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I, Lord Jesus, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This morning, I would like to try to get tie together a New Testament scripture with an Old Testament scripture. As you have probably heard many times, the New Testament is illustrated in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. They tie together perfectly. The pastor who preaches only from the first half of the Bible many times is... Uh, a pharisaical legalist. But the man who preaches only from the second half of the Bible, only from the New Testament, is not preaching the same message that the apostles were preaching. We remember that when they stood up before uh, a Jewish crowd or even a Gentile crowd, they took their scriptures out of the Old Testament. I am convinced that the most profitable ministry uses both testaments. The words of the prophets and the words of the apostles. As we have seen, this is the Lord Jesus who is speaking here in Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. This scripture has been preached tens of thousands of times as a gospel message. And well, it should be. It's perfect for preaching the gospel. The people of this world are suffering. They are burdened, they are broken down, they are uh, defeated by the, uh, the uh, aftermath of, of sin. Broken homes, fatherless children, crime, abuse of governments, addictions, and a thousand other burdens are laid on the backs of these neighbors of ours who know not Christ. Like uh, Bunyan's pilgrim before meeting the Lord. They can hardly get from point A to point B without stumbling. They may fill their lives with uh, self-medication, physical exercise, entertainment, diversions of all sorts, psychiatrists and so on, but the burdens don't go away. They're just camouflaged or <laughs> something like that. And as the Lord Jesus says to them, come, come unto me. If any man thirst under this weight and the heat and the burden, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. John 7, 37. Following the coming, Jesus says, pick up my yoke and learn of me. For in that there is even more rest. Of course, a yoke is an instrument used to tie together two animals, two uh, horses, two oxen, two mules, to do a particular task. They're doing one thing. They're plowing or pulling a cart or something like this. I believe that Jesus' exhortation is that those who come to him 
should be willing to be yoked to him for the service of God's glory. There is no better place to be than yoked to the Lord Jesus. There is the very best place in all the world, and there is the very best place to learn of him. In the willing acceptance of that yoke, we find rest which can only be imagined by those who are not in the Lord's yoke. Jesus tells us that his yoke is easy. He tells us that his burden is light. Or shall I say that it becomes light when we are yoked to the Savior. And uh, thousands of, of us know this to be true. Now here's my point. Wearing the Lord's yoke and carrying Christ's burden should not be considered an option for the child of God. Right. You've come to Christ? All right, get in the yoke. Yep. It's just that simple. Yep. It's something that every child of God should yearn to do. It is something that every child of God should uh, enjoy doing or being in that yoke. It's part of the Lord's invitation to salvation. It is a part of the Lord's calling to us. How can we, who have been so abundantly blessed in the salvation of our soul, not be willing to join the Lord in the work of glorifying the Heavenly Father? It is sad that a great many of the children of God think that they can um, avoid their Christian responsibilities. They choose to tear, bury their talents instead of investing them as the Lord would have them to do. They will never hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in so few things. But the Lord says, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And in fact, when when people who appear to be Christians refuse this yoke, uh, it may indicate that they are actually strangers to the stable. They really don't belong there. They are not the Lord's sheep, or they're not the Lord's oxen in this case. I've never seen sheep in a yoke. Okay, oxen. And they will never hear that well done. Rather they will hear, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Christian of God, Christian, look back over your life. Ask yourself these questions. Has there ever been a day when I deliberately and joyfully relaxed my neck sufficiently to slip into that yoke. And then, since that day, can you say that you have worn it with joy, pulling the Lord's plow or that, uh, that carriage which is carrying others into the presence of the Lord? If you have not, then you are missing the rest of the rest that the Lord is talking about here in this scripture. Uh, having said that, 
Now, I'd like you to turn to the book of Numbers. That's sermon number one. It's pretty simple. You've heard it before. Let's get to a lesson that perhaps you haven't considered. Let's put some meat on the simple outline that I've given to you. Numbers chapter 8. Numbers chapter 8. I hope that you're familiar with the history of Israel, how Israel began, that sort of thing. I hope that you know that Jacob was renamed Israel and that his uh, 12 sons became the 12 sons or the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the simple statement. It's a little more complex than that. Actually, God took two of Jacob's grandsons and made them tribes of Israel, making a total of 13. But you never hear of 13 tribes, do you? Then the Lord took one of the original tribes back to himself. Mm. Numbers chapter 8, look at verse number 13. Numbers 8, 13. Thou shalt set the Levites before Aaron and before his sons and offer them for an offering unto the Lord. Thus shalt thou separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites, God says, shall be mine. They're no longer Jacob's. They're mine. Verse 16. For they are wholly given unto me from among the children of Israel. Instead of such as open every womb, even instead of the firstborn of all the children of Israel, <coughs> I have taken them unto me. For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. Remember, on the day that I smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified your firstborn for myself. And I have taken the Levites in the place of, for the firstborn of the children of Israel. So Levi was removed from the list of Jacob's sons, becoming a special son of God. And again, we're back down now to 12 tribes. Okay? I thought about making this a lesson in preparation for uh, our... I was going to say duties, but that's not right. Our plans for next Sunday with the ordination of our, our deacon. If Brother Kilgard wants to think of this lesson in that way, I will not forbid it, but it's for all of us. The Levites were especially chosen by God. They were sovereignly elected to their office and to their service. God graciously said to them, as in Matthew 11, come unto me, and they did. Again, if you know the history of Israel, in Exodus 32, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? And there was a great hesitation throughout the nation. Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Just like every saint of God, they were called by the Lord and they freely came to him. Then those Levites were cleansed and made particularly or especially prepared for the work that God had called them to. Verse number 12. 
And the Levites shall lay their hands upon the heads of the bullocks. There were two of them. For thou shalt offer the one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering unto the Lord, to make an atonement for the Levites. As you should know, in the sacrifice of uh, uh, goats and calves and sheep and bullocks and so on and so forth, there is an illustration of salvation from sin through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. That's not my opinion. That's what the New Testament says of those Old Testament sacrifices. Before the actual shedding of the blood... The Levites, or at least the leaders of the tribe, I don't know how many actual Levites there were at this point in time, but their, their leadership, representing all of the tribe, came by and put their hands on the heads of those two animals before they were sacrificed. In touching the heads of the sacrifices, the Levites were symbolically transferring or using one New Testament word, imputing to these animals their sinfulness. And then those bullocks gave their lives as substitutes for the sinful Levites. There could be no acceptable service to God without that sacrifice, without the shedding of blood. Till they are purchased by the blood, whatever they might do would be done in the flesh. So first there came salvation by the shedding of the blood. But then there was another aspect to their preparation. Verse number six. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them. And thus shalt thou do unto them to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of purifying upon them. Let them shave all their flesh and let them wash their clothes and so make themselves clean. It wasn't enough for the Levites to be saved. It wasn't enough for them to be simply redeemed. If they're going to be of any real use to the Lord, they must be as separated from the world as possible. They were to wash their clothing, which I suppose they did from time to time anyway, but we're going to do it right here now. And they were to wash their bodies, which you may not have considered before, was something relatively rare in their day. There were no bathtubs being carried through the wilderness. There were no showers. There was no hot water. They didn't bathe very often. Let's just be honest. But in this case, bathe. And not only that, Scrape all that contaminating, catching hair that you have off. I want you to be uh, stripped, clean, bare, before you can begin your service for me. And then came a beautiful special picture, an ordination of sorts. Verse 11. And thou shalt bring the Levites before the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt gather the whole assembly of the children of Israel together. And thou shalt bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall put their hands upon the Levites. And Aaron shall offer 
the Levites before the Lord for an offering of the children of Israel, that the Levites might execute the service of the Lord. Skip down to verse 13. And thou shalt set the Levites before Aaron and before his sons and offer them for an offering unto the Lord. Thus shalt thou separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levite shall be mine. In the same way that the Levites use those bullocks as substitutes before the Lord, Israel set the Levites in the place where all of Israel should have been as servants of God. They're going to represent the entire nation. Israel offered the Levites as their own sacrifices to God. They became God's servants. And the New Testament word is deacons. They became the Lord's servants as all of us should be. We should all be deacons, deaconesses. With that, let's go back a couple of chapters, uh, four chapters, to four. Numbers chapter four. Jacob's son, Levi, had been called of God out of Israel to himself to represent the nation and to serve the Lord until the time of the coming of Christ. But Levi, if you will recall, had three sons, Kohath, Gershon, and Merari. So the tribe of Levi actually was split into three departments. As the special servants of God, each of those sons had special areas in which they were to serve. For example, during the 40 years in the wilderness, when the camp of Israel was to move from point A to point B, they were to move. Each part of the tribe of Levi had their own particular responsibilities in uh, that move. For example, to the sons of Merari was given the task of carrying the boards and the accoutrements of the tabernacle. We read of this in 431 through 33. You can read that later on if you like. And to the, his brother Gershon and the rest of his family were all the coverings of the tabernacle. Those uh, uh, badger skins and other things which went over the top of the tabernacle and the curtains which uh, hung over the uh, courtyard walls. These people had those responsibilities. One responsibility was to Merari, another responsibility was to Gershon. And to Kohath, the other son, was given the responsibility for the objects inside the tabernacle, like the altar of incense and the candlestick and the Ark of the Covenant. These things we see in verses 4 through 15. In thinking about these things, please remember Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will save you. And then take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
For I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest under your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. All of these scriptures in Numbers were given to Moses by God. So all of this is coming directly from the Lord. It was the Lord who said, At the appointment of Aaron and his son shall be all the service of the sons of the, of the Gershonites. All their burdens and all their service ye shall appoint unto them in charge of all their burdens. And this was the saying that was essentially said to Merari. The more spiritual of the Gershonites and Merarites would say through the years, praise the Lord that God has, has blessed me with an opportunity to serve. What a wonderful privilege that I have to carry this plank wherever the Lord wants it carried or this sheet, whatever. But how, however, there were the, the more fleshly of the children. They were the more ungodly, the less spiritual, perhaps unbelieving. Those who are actually unsaved might have said, I am nothing more than a burden bearer to God. I'm just an ox. I'm an ass. Point of view. How do you look on things? But it should be kept in mind that no matter what the task it was all important. Yes. The whole tabernacle yes. had to move. Not only the, the Ark of the Covenant and the golden altar, but the, the pots that held up the, the, the planks that were part of the, the wall. They had to move too. It was all to go. The beautiful veil between the holy place and the holy of holies was actually no more important than the curtain which hung over the gate in the courtyard. It all had to go. It was all for the Lord. It was all for the glory of Jehovah. As I've already pointed out, not everyone had the same work to do. In saving us, the Lord has not created a bunch of little clones who look absolutely alike. Some of us are eyes. Some of us are ears. Some of us are beautiful feet. The Lord chose those things. The Lord blessed with those things. Let's learn to praise God for simply being a part of the body of Christ. Wherever he has placed us. Some of those Levites had heavier responsibilities than others. For some, in their service, there may have been more stress on their back and their muscles than for others. The Lord said, you do this, you do this, and I'll make it possible. I will make my burden easy for you. Some Levites might have uh, borne a little reproach. You're just a pot carrier. I am carrying the golden altar. The lost might have laughed at some of them. Some child may have looked at his dad and said, why can't you do that more important thing? It's all important. Right. We all have our responsibilities. 
at least initially, they were all willing to take up the yoke that the Lord gave to them. Consider some of the other details that are given to us in these two chapters. For example, not only did the Lord appoint the service of each person or part of the tribe, but he also appointed the period of service. From 30 years old and upward, even unto 50 years old, everyone that entereth into the service for the work of the tabernacle of the congregation. I can just imagine a good-hearted 25-year-old. Is there anyone stronger than a 25-year-old naturally? Some young man who sees his father beginning to cripple up with arthritis, going to Aaron and saying, why won't you let me take my father's place? I want to be of service. I want to help. I love my father. And I want God to be glorified. Let me take my father's place. And Aaron would have to say, the Lord establishes the rules. He's the boss. Wait your turn. I'll come back to that 25-year-old here in just a minute. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Dad was supposed to serve until he was 50 years old. My notes have right here, or until he was too sick to do his job. You know, maybe everyone did their job until they were 50. Maybe in the Lord's yoke, there was strength and power to go on until uh, the time was complete. I don't know for sure. I believe that the statement, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, means that I, I shouldn't entertain any thoughts of retirement until the Lord retires me. <coughs> it's not for me to decide, hey, I'm 40, and I've got a 25-year-old son here who's raring to go. It's not my call. I believe the same is true of all of God's Levites and yoke fellows. There is no retirement for the child of God. There's still that lost neighbor. And though you're 104, maybe, you're, maybe you got a really good testimony at 104 to share with that neighbor. We are still servants of the Lord. Yes. We are to serve the Lord until we drop. Yep. That's not a curse. That's a blessing. Praise the Lord that Jesus didn't put any age limits on on the yoke of Matthew 11. At the appointment of Aaron and his sons shall be the service. Can't you hear some high-pitched, whiny... I probably shouldn't say that. I was going to say some Jewish voice. Saying, but I want to carry the golden candlestick. Why can't I carry the golden candlestick? Brethren, again, God doesn't want us all to look alike and serve alike. I admit that I don't have all of the gifts that I see in some uh, pastor friends of mine. And sometimes I'm envious. But other times, when I'm just a little closer to the Savior, 
I thank him that I don't have the responsibilities that that man has because of the talents that the Lord has given to him. With his talents come responsibilities. Ten talents, five talents. Maybe I can manage two, but I don't know if I can manage eight. The Lord gives the talents as he sees fit. We should all be satisfied. We should be ecstatic simply to be in the same yoke with the Savior. Oh, that we're all more like Isaiah. Jumping to our feet. Here am I, Lord. Send me to do whatever you want. Isaiah wasn't saying, I want that job. I want that job. He was just willing to be useful at that point. And by the way, in regard to Israel's movements throughout the wilderness, there wasn't a schedule. There wasn't an itinerary. They probably camped in the same spot for several months, maybe even a year or more, before the Lord said, we're going to move to another area. God didn't tell Moses on Thursday, next Monday at 9 o'clock, we're going to pack up and we're going to move to such and such a spot. When Israel was to travel, the pillar of cloud, which sat over the tabernacle, started to move. With the moving of the pillar of cloud, I don't suppose they moved in the middle of the night, but they might have. The pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, when it started to move, that was a signal that it was time for them to go. And immediately, everybody started packing. But at that point, the Levites had to rush to the tabernacle and earnestly begin taking care of their special duties. They had to be ready at a moment's notice. They had to be ready at all times, perhaps training their eyes to check on the pillar of cloud every hour or so to see if it was leaning in one direction or another. They had to be ready at a moment's notice. There was a sense in which they were always on duty. Mm. Christian, you're always the Lord's ambassador. Always on duty. And incidentally, some of you ladies know the meaning of my next few words. Upon the wives of the Levites fell the responsibility of getting the family ready to move. So the pillar of cloud is starting to leave the area. It's time for everybody to pack up. So the husbands of the rest of the nation went home and they took down their tents and they uh, organized things for moving. Uh, The husbands of the Levites weren't there. Mrs. Levite had to take down the tent. Oh, if she had the blessing of a 25-year-old son who was still at home, then maybe he would do it for her. But the the point is that pastors' wives have special burdens the rest of the Christian ladies don't have and many times don't understand. I thank God for my wife, Judy. And by the way, the scripture teaches that with every deacon, 
grows a godly deaconess. There are, in fact, uh, statements about her characteristics and qualities and so on. Back in Matthew, the Lord Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Think about this, the words in that sentence. Take my yoke upon me, or take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What kind of sentence is that? Let me put it this way. Is this a pair of exhortations? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Or is it a single statement? Is it, when you are yoked to me, you will learn of me? Is it two things we're supposed to do? Or does one simply follow the first? I think that in the service of the Lord, there comes an intimacy that provides special blessings and produces superlative peace. I suppose that it's more anecdotal than actual, but uh, let's just use it as a picture. When that Kohathite, who was assigned to carry the golden candlestick on this day, after it had been resting on his shoulder for five hours, remember the thing's made of gold, when he had been carrying it four hours or seven hours, you might say that he is really getting to know the golden candlestick. He was getting quite intimate with the golden candlestick because of his responsibilities. With the ministry of the Lord comes a special sort of intimacy. We can learn about the theology of God by sitting under experts like Moses and, and, and Paul. But to be in the yoke with the Lord, oh, yes. to be right there at his side, we get to know him better than we ever will with books mm. and sermons and Sunday school <coughs> lessons. And then when one man, along with his brother, had his hands on the two poles that were carrying the altar of incense, you could say that they learned to appreciate the, the golden altar more than they had before. And in fact, there was a, a fellowship between those two brothers as they are in the same yoke together, carrying out the same responsibility. There is a privilege of spending quality time with one's brother. Not in the fellowship of playing cornhole, in the fellowship of serving God together. I'm of the opinion that we learn more of the Lord while serving Him than in any other way. You want to learn of Christ? Well, put your head in the yoke. Relax that neck and shoulders of yours. Get to work. I'll close with one other thing. God said to the Levites in Numbers 8, they are wholly given unto me from among all the children of Israel instead of such as open every womb. Even instead of the firstborn of all the children of Israel, I have taken them to me. I have given the Levites 
as a gift to Aaron and to his sons from among the children of Israel to do the service of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of the congregation. Isn't it true that these Levites were bearing the burdens which belonged to the entire nation? They represented the people of Judah and Ephraim doing work incumbent on all of them. By way of illustration, their necks in the Lord's yoke were carrying the, the loneliness of that widow from the tribe of Asher. They were sharing their wealth with that poor man from the, uh, uh, the tribe of Manasseh. To be yoked to Christ is to be in another way Yoked to everybody else who's yoked to Christ. Galatians 6.2 tells us, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, which is sort of expressed in the law of Moses in the book of Numbers. Not only should we rejoice with them that laugh, we should grieve with them that grieve. By extension, we should work with them who are trying to work for the glory of the Lord. Romans 15.1 We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. This is the ministry of God's New Testament Levites. And that's not one man or two or three men. That's all of us. It's an entire tribe. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light, says the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Please stand up.